0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right, good morning. How you guys doing? How you doing? That's the fam. My wife is the good looking one. I, I am her project, all right, that was a year ago Christmas time, the uh, dude with the sunglasses does not look like us, that's because he's my new son-in-law, all right, so anyway, that's the rest of us. Check this out. You know those like before and after time hop type photos? One of our first dates, uh, we were were Liberty students back in the day of the early 80s. That was even before Michael Jackson had one glove he lost. Okay, that's really way back. And Hotel Roanoke, not sure if anybody's been down to Roanoke, but uh, our college ministry at the church we were attending had one of these dates, kind of little dress of formal things. So our church uh, where I serve um, now... Currently, uh, we actually had a winter retreat for a marriage retreat, right? Just last year, and I found the exact spot. Isn't that crazy? Come on, say wow. 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 You can say that backwards. There you go. All right. Oh, the pro papa's got to show some pictures of the wedding. Okay, here we are. Uh, That's my baby and my baby. There we go. Walking her down the aisle. That's my dad. I call him dad. You can call him dad or grandpa, but that's my dad. right, so I get to walk her down and tell you all about this last night, and then we did the old exchange and kissing her, and uh, it was so cool. We're like, let's make this happen. We love Brian so much. We're like, come on. When he finally asked me for that consent to marry my daughter, I was like, dude, about time. No, I didn't say that, but I was like, come on, yeah. Anyway, so then we uh, did the old switcheroo, and I got to go around, and of course, why am I wearing sunglasses? Well, yeah, first of all, it's sunny out, but also because... Um, I said, now many of you here have already asked me, Rich, are you going to cry when you do your own daughter's wedding? And I said, no one here is going to see me cry. And then I pulled out sunglasses. Dad joke of the day. Okay, if you didn't get that, so what do he mean by that? Oh, he's wearing sunglasses so no one can see him cry. Ha <laughs> ha, that's not funny. Okay, so anyway, there we are, a little bit more of that. And uh, very cool, we had his folks and my wife and myself came up and just prayed over them as we transitioned from, we're always their parents, but transitioned from leading them in the sense of as our kids to now they become one. So this is, if you're a parent here, you guys get this one. The rest of you are like, what's all this all about? We just want cake. All right, so here we, speaking of cake, and there's a party, right? So at the end of the day, I had to tell my son-in-law, because now I could call him my son-in-law by like, what, six hours or whatever, not even that, two hours, and I said, son, today I gave you my daughter, but these are the keys to my sports car. I want this car back by 11 p.m. tonight safe. Another dad joke number two, okay? So, here we are. They're taking off. They're having fun. We haven't seen them since. No, they brought the car back. (laughs) Anyway, so that was a little bit there. Now, you guys like dogs? Everybody needs to have a dog, right? So, here we are. This is our two Labradors. This is a couple years ago. The little chocolate lab. His name's Jeter. It's my New Yorker coming out. Don't be hating on me, okay? So I named my dog the great one, number two, Jeter. And then Piper is the older one. Piper's the goat. Piper is not the greatest of all time. Piper literally is a goat. She eats anything. Who has a lab? Anyone have a Labrador Retriever? You know what I'm talking about? How many pairs of shoes y'all gone through? We had friends, actually with a DJ at our wedding. Him and his wife were up from Va Beach to our house two years ago. And they were hanging out with us on the weekend. And we were having breakfast, hanging out at at the dining room table, and it's like, Where's Piper? It's too quiet. It's like having a child. It's like, where's Piper? It's too quiet. She ate the entire top of Jill's shoe. Gone. Just ate it. So I call her the goat. Not the greatest of all time. She truly is a ninja goat because she's stealthy. She's always looking for the trash. Whereas Jeter, he's just all that. He's just all fun. Now, he's grown up now. You see the picture coming up here? He's two years old. He's all dude. Now, we live, like, Lynchburg, it's like, kind of like there's nothing flat. It's either down or up, okay? So we got our deck, and you go down the hill. Jeter's always running down the hill to play fetch. He brings me my Syracuse University basketball back, and then he throws back down the hill, and it's back and forth, back and forth. So he comes running down the hill, y'all, and he can't pull up. It's not like a cartoon where you can just pull up on the dime. He has to skid, and he rolls. Well, after a couple of years of this, guess what happens to one's back of his left? Yeah. So last summer, he starts getting gimpy and limpy. And this last month, you're we like, why is he really hurt I can hardly walk? Well, yesterday, Jeter had surgery. Yeah, he had a CCL tear, not ACL. It's called a CCL tear. Now, adults, you ready? <sighs> there goes my wife's my next vacation. Because you don't have dog insurance. So that costs a lot of money crazy stuff. Here's my, some of my students. This is just a little bit about me. Uh, I love these college students. What is so fun is watching them just not be in class and get it when it comes to student ministry training, but get it when they go out and do it. And I love like in the summertime watching Facebook just blowing up all these mission trips Uh, I've been doing this for 15 years now. So I've got students who graduated, actually had their students now come, been in my classes, and now they've been out and doing youth ministry. Now they're bringing their students. I'm like, is this like a great grandpa in youth ministry? I have no idea. But it's just really, really cool. It is really cool to see that happen. But as I mentioned a little bit last night, my heart's still always been with that middle and high school age group. That never left. So I'm in our new church plant as a volunteer youth pastor. And we have a very small youth ministry. That's about it right there. That's my house. That's a little bit more about me. Love my family. Love student ministry. And as I told you guys last night, I love this book. I tell you what, I can get up here. I could tell some funny stories. I could tell some stories that make you cry and make me the hero. Today, we're going to focus on Jesus. You're going to forget my name. I'm good. Don't forget the name Jesus. I mean that. Matter of fact, there's a Casting Crown Song about that, if you guys follow Christian music at all. And we're going to listen to that one tomorrow morning. It's about Jesus. So, as I think about this topic that Aaron and the team put together, and as I really process through this, and I really appreciate this because I have never really studied this Isaiah 61 passage until to really, really dive into it this week and see the richness of this passage. And it was kind of heavy stuff. This is a heavy topic. This isn't like cotton candy and you know, big popcorn bags when you go to the movies, like from Sam's Club, you know. There's some of those youth talks out there. It's all kind of fluff. And this is more like raw vegetables. This is like, whoa, but we need it. Does that make sense, y'all? So it's not like a bunch of cotton candy. Hey, fun youth talk. This is really kind of some heavy stuff. But guess what we're going through? I mean, look at our country. People hating on people. I mean, it's like we need more than ever God's truth. So if you're going to be the change, and I believe you are, that's why I've given my heart to do student ministry. I believe you guys are going to be the change. You're going to have to know God's word. You guys cool with that? All right, let's roll. This is, we're not going to read it again, but this is that scripture. You see those four areas. What's the first one again? Can you kind of read that? Sovereign what? And that was last night. And as Jesus actually, remember, he declares to be that anointed one, that Messiah. He is the representative, God the Son And he's God himself being God, the son of the sovereign Lord. Sovereign means God's got this. You guys follow Christian music at all? Uh, You know, Satan today kind of thing. You know, this is that God has got your back. God is in control. That's sovereign. That's a word that usually freaks people out. Oh, sovereignty. We debate that in our church. I'm not talking about debating it. I'm glad to know that my God is in control. I'm glad to know. Deep breath in deep press out, that God has this, my sovereign God. And the second point you see is today's talk actually is comfort out of mourning. And then this Messiah, this anointed one, would not just bring comfort out of mourning, but he would take out of ashes, he would bring beauty. And that's tonight. And then tomorrow morning, we're gonna be looking at the idea of displaying his splendor. And that's tomorrow morning when this old youth pastor gets to just unzip it in a golfing term called grip it and, let's try that again. Grip it and what? It's a golfing term. Grip it and let it go. I'm just gonna punch it. Tomorrow morning, I can't wait because that's when I get to unzip and just talk about. I wanna give you guys some actual hands-on tools how to share your faith in a very God-anointed, natural, relational way. Not a forced, weird thing, but just getting to know lost people and just talking about the great things that God has done in your life. Hey, but before I go on, let's pray. All right? Father, I thank you so much for bringing me to this place. I'm um, just not physically here to RVR, but even bringing me to this place. There's so many things I know I've had to go through in my life that have been a serious uh, mourning and, and difficulty. And yet, Lord, I've seen your, your majesty through it. I've wondered why I've had to go through things and every adult in this room and and I would assume most every student in this room has also gone through some very, very heavy and difficult times. But Lord, help us to first of all, thank you for your sovereignty and Jesus, I pray that even right now that you told us, Jesus, that the spirit would come and he's now here with us, he would be our teacher. So now, Holy Spirit, I ask you To be the teacher to these students today. May I simply be the messenger of your amazing truth. In the name of the majestic name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. All right. Last night we tapped out, finished up with this big question Do I recognize that Jesus, Jesus Christ, came to bring all things new? So that kind of was a little bit of refresher overview of last night. And today we're looking at this. Comfort comes to us. Can comfort come in the middle of our morning? I have got a lot of scriptures for you guys. And there's some scriptural references I'll show on the screen that I say just for time we'll keep moving. But that's not because they're not important. Um, your leaders already have sheets. Your leaders have like basically my notes. So when you have discussion time today, they have all the verses. See, but just for time's sake, we're gonna look at some scripture. We we'll maybe just bypass some of it, but I want you guys to see this. Every point I've got, I'm big on this one, okay? Every point I got, got the parentheses with scripture. Because I want you all to know, this is not Rich's ideas. This is right from the scripture. Again, you can forget my name. Don't forget the word. Don't forget Jesus. When I think of the word comfort, I don't know. What comes to y'all's mind? I think of stuff like, wouldn't it be nice right now? Not a cold tub, a nice hot tub. Maybe some of you are like, dude, I'd just rather be in bed right now, okay? <laughs> I want to be comfort, like a comforter. Or, since it is like twenty some degrees out, oh, there's something about a fire. Remember man's first TV? Man's first remote is what? Is the stick, yeah, exactly. Or, oh, yeah, am I talking your language? Not about y'all, where you're from, but we have, right near, right in our town, we have a Cracker Barrel. We have a Cracker Barrel. That's what I call Sunday after church in Lynchburg, Virginia, when the preachers are out. There's like, there's like water, a big dam, and then there's like this other part of the lake. And like the preacher is the one holding back, you know, all the people leaving from church to get to the restaurants. And that's kind of like what's going on here. So what brings you comfort? Turn to the person next to you and go, this is what brings me comfort. You got, you got 12 seconds, Go. What brings you comfort? Five, four, three, two. Are you all comforted? So, a couple actually got four questions here, four thoughts. Okay, it's like, what's the definition of comfort? Um. What's the definition of mourning? Another question is, or not question, but statement more is like the culture, that's the world around us, they seem to like define comfort as, you see it on the screen? Comfort is kind of defined as, you know, the absence of relief or pain. If I have no pain, therefore I'm comforted, which I can kind of understand that. But the culture typically sees comfort as, I have no issues, I have no pain, I have no heartache, whether it's physical, emotional, it's like, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. But another thought I have is, but is that what the scripture says? Is comfort really found in the absence of pain, or is the absence of a hard time? So as I think about comfort in mourning, we have to think about that, that's our phrase, comfort out of mourning. So what's comfort? And then what is mourning? Well, let me say this, Last night, we were talking about, you know, Jesus going into the temple and the synagogue and and, and preaching and the hometown crowd. I remember him. Isn't this Joseph's son? Now, adults, you may get this joke. I worked on another dad joke. You guys ready? Could you imagine in that service that day, isn't that Joseph's son? Could you imagine that lady who goes there? I don't know. It doesn't look like Joseph. The few of you get that. Oh, that's a dad joke. Somebody got that, right? Oh, if you didn't get that, talk what's your name? Joel. Joel. Talk to Joel later if you don't get that one, okay? He doesn't look that, because, okay, because Joseph wasn't his dad. Oh, thank you, Rich, for explaining that. Okay, there we go. Or talk to Joel later, okay? So you think like this. So did Jesus go through any kind of extreme difficulties? Mourning is not I had a bad day. Morning is not I woke up late. Morning is not I missed the bus. Those are bummers, okay? Unless you pull the home alone and you stay at home school. <laughs> oh, never mind. So the morning, morning is deeper than just I'm having a rough time, a rough patch. Morning, I told you last night, not to get too heavy, but when I'm on vacation to Myrtle Beach and I hear my mom passed away, that's a world changer. That's a total game changer. That's mourning. When you're going through something of where it just literally rocks your world. And I think Jesus, did he go through times of mourning? I mean, wasn't Jesus always happy and skipping along and passing out flowers to children and balloons and stuff? No. Actually, the scripture. Scripture talks about this. Jesus, check this scripture out. You see it? This was written 600 years before Jesus was born on earth. This was a prophecy about the coming anointed one, Messiah, Isaiah 53. Isaiah the prophet is given these words by God himself. Isaiah writes it down about the coming Messiah. Let's look at this scripture. Can we all read this together? Sit down for this one, but let's all read it out loud. You ready? Three, two, one. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Look at that. It says the Messiah would be a man of sorrows and well familiar or well acquainted with grief. So when I think about this, did Jesus actually go through not just difficult times, but times of mourning? There's five things I thought about prepping for this uh, this past week. And here's three. The next slide, I'll give you the next two. But here's three. And the first few scriptures will kind of pass, and we're going to take a look through the rest of the scriptures. But the very first one is Satan himself. Here is, if you understand scripture, Jesus actually, the beautiful thing is John 1, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, all says that Jesus was the actual voice that brought creation into existence. It says, by Jesus, all things were made. In heaven, above heaven, everything, including the angels. And Satan was, from what we see in scripture, the worship angel. But he pulled a rebellion against God. You guys know that story? He's now the fallen angel. So I look at this, I think, wow, here you have one of Jesus' own creations. And Lucifer in heaven before his rebellion against God was probably more of that worship angel. And now here, all of a sudden, this angel turns rebellion against God. God throws him out. That's where we got the whole thing started. You guys know that story? Here we go. This topic right here, this I mean, topic but Scripture, Matthew 4, is the Scripture about the temptation in the wilderness, where Jesus was tempted by Satan three times, where Satan says things like, hey, takes him on top of the, of the building, says, hey, if you just jump down, you know, your angels will come and catch you. You know, go thrill-seeking, and Jesus says, quote, quote, in Scripture, like, don't tempt the Lord your God. Hey, if you just bow down before me, Satan says, if you just worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, no. So you have all this temptation going on, and Jesus pushes it back. So first of all, times of mourning or difficulty, yeah, when the enemy of God, Satan himself, takes his enemies, his foes, You would think that church people would be the kindest of all people. You would think. Uh, In this case, Jesus is born into a culture where Pharisees were the teachers of the law. And these teachers of the law had a lot of political um, influence with Rome. And they liked their power. They were given by Rome some power. And Jesus began to push the envelope. And they realized if this guy continues to push the envelope, we may lose our position of power with Rome. We lose who we are. I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 12. I was going to pick it up, not with verse 1. I'm going to pick it up at verse um, 9. Going on from that place, Jesus goes into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, the Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Jesus said to these Pharisees, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out of the pit? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Jesus says this, therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So, guys, picture this. Here's a person with a shriveled hand. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And all of a sudden, it straightens up. Yeah, yeah, everybody's cheering. Yeah, yeah. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. The Pharisees, instead of cheering, this is what happens. But the Pharisees went out outside the building, and it says, and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. So here's the church leaders. You'd think, you'd think they would be the ones loving and embracing, and Jesus just did this miracle to give this man basically his life back. And instead of cheering and applauding, they're plotting. Church people going to kill you? That's pretty intense stuff. You guys ever think of it like that? There's another scripture. Um, it's in John 11. And I'm not going to read this one. But in John 11, verses 45 to 53, um, you have the plot. And this is the plot right before the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. Where Caiaphas, the leader, the high priest, says, you know what? It's good that he die." And he talks about how we keep our political power with Rome in place. He goes, it's good, and this is crazy what this guy Caius says. He has no idea what he's saying. He goes, it's better that one die for our nation than we all die. Dude, he had no idea the depth of what he just said because Jesus died so we could all live. Wow. So here they're not just talking about plotting. Now the plot is in motion. Third area is your own family, but we're gonna dial in a little bit here. You see, I have a lot of students who actually want to do youth ministry as a career, as a profession. And it's their own Christian parents that say, don't do youth ministry. There's no money in it. I said that as the unit just died down. Thank you, unit that just died down. I want you guys to hear that again. Parents that, when their kids are babies, they dedicate their kid to say, Jesus, God, you you gave us this child. This child belongs to you. But when that child becomes a young adult and says, I want to do ministry for a career, the parent says, no. I've had so many parents that their students have told me, mom and dad will not pay my tuition if I don't major in business. They said, if you do youth ministry, we're not paying for you. And these are Christian parents. I just don't understand that. I, I want my kids to follow Jesus and what he's called them to do. One is in business, two are in ministry. I love them all dearly, but I wanted God to tell them what God has for them, and I will cheer them on. Does this make sense to you guys? What hurts is when your own family says, are you serious? You really want to do that? This is something you maybe aren't familiar with. Do you have a Bible? If you do, please look at this. We're going to look at this Matthew 12 scripture. And verses 46 through 50. When while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brother stood outside. He was in other scriptures in Mark and Luke. They talk about how he's actually in this room, it's packed. And his own family, guys, this would break my heart. My daddy's a preacher. He he loves me, he loves it when I preached. I can't imagine as a son of my father wanting my father to be pleased. Does that make sense? I can't imagine my dad not wanting to come hear me preach. His mom and his brothers wouldn't even come inside. It says they were waiting to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. Verse 48, Jesus replies to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He points to the, to the group, his disciples, not just the apostles, but all the followers. Disciples means followers. All the followers of Jesus. And he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. What he's saying is this. His own mama. Most of us understand that Joseph would have been dead at this point. Dad wasn't around. And he was a righteous man, so he didn't bounce. He passed away. So you have mom and the, and the little brothers who were in their 20s. Jesus was early 30s. He was the oldest, so they were in their, their later 20s. They came, and they're, and they're like, come on, Jesus, let's just let this thing go. You guys ever thought of this before? Here he's preaching, doing his ministry, and they're like, son, just come home now. You guys ever thought of that? Jesus' own family doesn't buy it. We think, oh, they're all holy and everything. Um, they didn't buy it. They're trying to get him to come off the road and come home. There's another scripture. It's in the Gospel of John. Um, the Passover's happening, and his brothers are taunting him. I won't read this one, but your leaders have the scriptures, okay? Um, but the brothers are taunting Jesus. Like, oh, you're going to go down to the festival, the Passover in Jerusalem? Are you going to go down there and kind of like do your thing? you read this, you'll see it. You're going to go down there and kind of like, do your thing. Come on, Jesus, go show yourself. They're taunting him. His brothers did not buy it. They were not truly his followers until after the resurrection. And they finally saw him alive. They go, okay, we get it now. The brothers did not buy into Jesus being the son of God. He was just the big brother. So you think about this. Yeah, it's one thing to have, you know, Satan, not today, right? Satan's against you. It's one thing to know that your church people are against you. Then you find out your own family's against you. Do you see why we see in Scripture a man of sorrows acquainted with grief? Now it gets even more intimate. These next two, Jesus and his friends. Jesus and his friends. I got to read these to you, man. This is in Matthew 17. This is the 12. This is the apostles. Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23. When Jesus came together in Galilee, when they all came together in Galilee, Jesus says to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. And all the disciples were filled with grief. Okay, good. They're filled with grief. That's good, Okay. Now let's keep moving on. Chapter, um, I mean, chapter, uh, where would go? 26, 26. Matthew 26. And then verse 14 to 16. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 coins of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Get this, 30 pieces of silver is what you would pay for a slave. He's turning over his Messiah because Judas all along thought, just like the other 11 thought, Jesus is the Messiah, and the prophecies of the Old Testament says the Messiah will set the captives free, and they believed it would be Roman oppression would be gone. They were waiting for Jesus to make Israel great again, which was actually legit because that was the prophecy of the Old Testament. What they did not understand was Jesus had to come twice the first time to die for us, The second time, he'll come back to restore his kingdom. But they wanted the kingdom now. And when they hear him doing this chatter about him dying, they're like, whoa, 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 no, you can't die. That's why scripture's listed here. Peter even looks at Jesus and says, no, Jesus, no, you're not going to die. And that's when Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, what? Satan. For you have in mind the things of man, not of God. Because Peter's like, no, Jesus, no. You can't be bailing on us. You can't be bouncing. You've got you to gotta follow this through. You've got to bring us the kingdom now. And they're all talking about who's going to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom. You guys know these stories? Because they're waiting for Israel to be majestic again. And Jesus, they believed, is going to be that Messiah. And all of a sudden, everything they had planned is going the wrong way. And Judas is like, I'm out. And I'm going to get some money in the process. Right down to the betrayal. And it wasn't just even Peter that said, I'll never deny you. It says in the scriptures up here, it says, and even all the others said, we won't deny you either, Jesus. I think one of the most haunting scriptures is with the beginning of the scourging. That means the beatings that Jesus took. We're going to talk about that tonight. But the beginning of Jesus and the scourging he took in that courtyard, he looks over there and he sees Peter. And when Jesus' eyes lock into Peter's eyes, that's the moment that Peter had just said, I don't know. He says he cursed and he swore. Swearing means an oath. I don't know. Cursing means cursing. I don't know that blankety blank. Peter does it three times. As soon as he hears the rooster crow, he looks up and he actually locks eyes with Jesus. You guys feeling that right now? Your own friends betray you? In the middle of all of this, the most horrifying one we're going to touch on tonight, but to say even right now, is on the cross, you've heard this before, Jesus actually quotes Psalm 22, verse 1, my God, my God, what's it say, guys? Why have you forsaken me? I don't know if you've heard this before, but let me drop it on you. There's only one time in the entire life of Jesus that he ever calls the Father, God, and not Father. Every time he called him my Father, my Father, my Father, my Father. The only time he says my God, and not my Father, is that moment in time where God had to look away. Even his own Father. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Beauty from ashes. So yeah, is Jesus a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? I think you kind of see that. How does Jesus fight against? How does he find comfort in the middle of mourning? Guys, your leaders have these scriptures, okay? But as I started looking through these and preparing for this, I'm like, oh my goodness. These are all scriptures of where Jesus prayed. Starting at his own baptism, he came up out of the water, it says, and he prayed. He was praying We see Jesus constantly in prayer. Some of these scriptures, I hope as leaders, you take your students through some of these scriptures. Some of these scriptures talk about Jesus would often go into lonely places and he would meet with his father. In other words, you ever heard your leaders talk about having a quiet time? You ever heard that? That's what it is. Jesus gathered comfort, not from the absence of pain. Jesus got comfort by spending time with his father. What does prayer do for you? Prayer doesn't always change your circumstances, but in most cases, prayer changes what? You. Did you guys catch that or not? Prayer doesn't always change your circumstances, but prayer changes you. Because now I know God's got this, God's in control. I trust you, God. I release it. I cast all these cares upon you because you care for me. So you want to have comfort? Be a person of prayer. Because when you're a man or you're a woman of prayer, you will know that your God is in control. And even though that circumstance may not go away, and even though my mom is still in heaven, she's not here, I know I can go on because God gives me his comfort. You guys feeling this? And the second thing, and these scriptures are so powerful too, he always talked about he would please his father, please his father. He said, I don't even, Jesus says, I don't even speak my own words. I just please my father. Two quickies. This doesn't take a budget to do. This doesn't take an outside resource. This is just what you already have. You have opportunity to pray, and you have opportunity to please God. And with prayer and with pleasing God comes freedom. Comes beauty. But that's tonight's. How can we? I got four things for you before we bounce. Number one, realize, yeah, we live in a culture That's a fallen and depraved world, is what it is. Number two, realize that when we identify with Jesus, it doesn't always go happy and good. Jesus said, the world's going to hate you because it hates me. It hates me because they hate my father. You ever been mocked for your faith? Have you? I'll be honest. I'll be dead honest with you guys. If you say you follow Jesus and you really live it out 100% and you never have been ripped for your faith, well, you fill in the blank. I don't care how young you are. When I was fourth grade, public school, fourth grade, bowed my head just to simply have a prayer to say, thank you, Lord, for my food. I didn't stand up on the chair. Thank you, Lord, for my food. Listen, everybody, I'm praying. I just simply bowed my head. I had even people in my Sunday school class making fun of me for identifying with Jesus. Do you guys feel what I'm saying? You're going to get mocked. And during those times, number three and four, realize you can rest, see it? You can rest in God's sovereign and loving rule. No matter what happens, your God is in control. And then ultimately realize we can only rest in God when we spend time with him, worshiping him and drawing strength from him. It doesn't take a budget or money to do this. Prayer slash praise And please him. Question. Will you find his comfort in the midst of mourning? Jesus was always drawing himself away. Spending time with his father. If you do that, you'll find comfort. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.